Got me? I can't hear anything, so. <laughs> All right. It sounds like you can hear me. Um, I love you, and uh, sometimes, you know, the Lord sends Gabriel to talk to people, and sometimes he uses a donkey, so uh, I'm afraid it might be more a donkey today, but <clears throat> it is what it is, so uh, I'm, I made it. <clears throat> okay, uh, so for the last four or five weeks, Josh has been taking us through the message that the apostles um, believed and preached. We looked at the great and terrible day of the Lord, when evil and wickedness has grown to its fullness, when God will execute his wrath and pour out his judgment on the earth in order to rescue, redeem, and restore his creation and resurrect his righteous ones unto eternal life. Um, We looked at the promised Messiah, the Genesis 3 snake crusher, who will give authority or who, who will be given authority to execute the day of the Lord. Judge the living and the dead and reign from Jerusalem as a king of the world in the age to come. Last week we looked at the cross, the substitutionary sacrificial atonement that the Lord uh, paid on our behalf. So that with repentance we can stand blameless before the Son of Man on the day of the Lord. And on Easter we looked at Jesus, that that God confirmed all these promises in him by raising him from the dead. We can have faith that Jesus is the Lord's promised Messiah and that his death on the Roman cross atoned for and paid the price for your sins and mine because there's a real empty tomb that God has not abandoned his creation. No, he said a day when his arm will be will redeem and restore his creation and establish an everlasting kingdom where his son will rule for eternity. Um, And we know this because there's an empty tomb outside Jerusalem. Um, that's the message. Uh, that's what the apostles believed. It's what they preached over and over and over. Um, and brothers and sisters, I pray that the message works its way into your bones until it's the first thing you think about in the morning and the last thing you ponder before you um, lay your head down at night. I hope that it's the first thing you think of when you run into a stranger at the grocery store um, or someone at the gas station. Uh, And I know that this is Josh's goal for us as well. I mean, he basically just stands up here and preaches repent for the day the Lord is near every week. Uh, It's like a one-trick pony, right? It's kind of a running joke at our house when Josh and Sierra come over. We'll all usually talk to Josh about his sermon or whatever, and Brody or someone will butt in and say, well, yeah, it's probably going good because he's just going to talk about the day of the Lord again, you know, every week. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because it's true, um, and it's not his fault. He only talks about it every week because God's appointed day is the absolute central theme of all the prophets. It's the central theme of John the Baptist message. It's the central theme of the apostles and the New Testament writers. And most importantly, it's the central theme of Jesus' message. Um, you could say it's kind of the central theme of our existence. Um, so that's the message. And so now we go to, to what now? Um, what do we do in light of all that? So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the mission of the church. How do we walk that out? How do, we, how do followers of Christ respond if this is what we actually believe? Um, and the first thing, and this isn't the only thing, we're going to do other stuff uh, the next couple of weeks, but the first thing today we're going to talk about is, is the proper thing to do is we respond in worship. Um, and I want to give credit to John Harrigan. He's a Bible teacher and missionary uh, 
And a lot of this came from some teachings that I've listened to of his. Um, and I want to start with what is what is worship? Um, I know we have worship up here uh, with music, but that's um, one version of worship, we'll call it. And what we really want to do is get to the heart of the matter and what what are we doing when we worship. And worship can be a lot of things, take many forms. It can be a prayer in the morning um, by yourself. You can be worshiping the Lord in prayer. It can be studying his word. It can be uh, listening to teachers and, and becoming more knowledgeable. Um, it can be fellowshipping with fellow believers. It can be service unto the Lord. Um, all those are worship. And at its basic you know, core, is worship is professing love and loyalty and adoration and allegiance to someone outside yourself, hopefully. Um, it is acknowledging someone or something as having immense worth or importance. And it is ultimately an act of humility, of bowing down and acknowledging that the Lord is in charge. Um, it's kind of the opposite of the fall that happened in Eden, um, where they didn't believe in God's authority and they, they took it upon themselves. Um, Psalm 95.6 kind of lays it out. Uh, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Um, You don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to be bowed down to worship. But that's kind of the posture of your heart. um, Is that you're acknowledging that he is our maker. Um, So worship is an act of submission. And of aligning our will to his will. Um, It's posturing our heart. And now I want to talk about kind of the reason we worship God or um, what the Bible uh, in reference to what attribute of God we, we tend to worship or that causes us to worship. And I think uh, the primary, one of the primary ways the Bible talks about worship or references worship is always in relation to God as the creator um, and with power over all of creation. Um, releva- or revelation of God's absolute power over creation and love for creation evokes worship. He is the creator and rules over creation from the height of the heavens, and therefore he is due our worship. Um, Jonah, I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures now, so just bear with me. I mean, don't bear with me. It's way better than if I made stuff up. So, uh, Jonah 1.9, um, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear, which gets translated in another translation as worship. I worship. I fear the Lord. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. Who made the sea and the dry land, the creator of the um, creation. First Chronicles 16, 23 through 31. Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the peoples, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. You can just put all the gods of the nations are created. They are not the creator, but the Lord made the heavens. He is the creator. He is the most powerful. He is the highest. He is ruling and reigning. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place at the height of the heavens. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He loves his creation. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. 
Nehemiah, now I've told you, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, so let's do it. Yeah, that's right. Nehemiah 9, 5 through 6. And the Levites said, stand up and praise the Lord your God, whom is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Isaiah thirty-seven sixteen. Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, ruling, reigning over his creation. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the, of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. Again, he is the creator. He is all-powerful, and thus do our worship. Revolution, or Revelation 4, 8 through 11 Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The starry host worshiping the Lord. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So all these instances of worship are in relation to God as the all-powerful, almighty ruler of creation. Nothing is outside of his will. Um, He isn't distant. He isn't... Far off, he isn't outside of his creation doing nothing. He didn't wind the clock and let it go. He's he's actively ruling and reigning and being worshipped in the height of the heavens. So the Lord is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's ruling over it with all power and authority. And this kind of begs the question, or um, logically kind of flows from here, if he is sovereign over creation with all power and authority, and if he loves creation... What's he going to do about it? Well, (laughs) he's going to fix it. Let's put it that way, right? Um, He loves his creation. He, He even thinks it's very good. He's not abandoning it. He's not destroying it. He's going to remake it. Um, He's going to perfect it again. He's going to restore it back to what it was. Um, the day of the Lord shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be like, whoa, this is crazy. It's just logical if you follow the, the thread. Um, the day when he redeems his creation and cleanses it and restores it back to perfection should be expected um, because he wins. Um, he's the creator. Uh, he, he's in charge. Um, in the day of the Lord, it, it is uh, expected. All through the Hebrew scripture, the prophets speak of the Lord cleansing his creation of wickedness. Um, you could just read the book of Isaiah and be like, oh yeah, I get it. It's the day of the Lord. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit of Isaiah, not all of it. <clears throat> although that'd be awesome. But Isaiah 40, 10 through 24. We're not going to read all of them. We're going to skip around. But see, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Reward and recompense. Um, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens, marked off the heavens with his hand. There's only one who can do that. 
Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in the balance? I mean, I don't know. That's just an awesome visual. Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning, from creation? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He lives in creation. He didn't create it and shove it off and said, oh, uh, the fall didn't remove his power over creation. Um, That's not what happened. Uh, He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted. No sooner are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground. Then he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Um, at the sound of his voice, he can, and can cleanse the earth of all wickedness and, and principalities. Um, and we'll talk maybe in a, a little bit about why that maybe isn't taking place right now. Spoiler alert, because he loves um, all those people and doesn't want them to perish. Um, but we, we'll get there. Uh, Psalm 29 kind of gathers all these little threads together of, of worship and the almighty creator and God reigning at the height of the heavens and his heart being um, him loving creation and, and eventually restoring it. Uh, it's all kind of gathered together in Psalm 29. Uh, I'm just going to kind of pour through my view of it. Humans in cre- creation were made for communing with and worshiping God. That's what it was in the beginning. Um, that's what it will be in the end because he wins. Uh, the almighty creator of heaven and earth who rules and reigns over creation right now with all power and authority. Uh, he loves creation, will punish wickedness, and restore creation to perfection on the day of the Lord. Um, Psalm 29, I'm just going to read it. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Heavenly beings worshiping. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The purpose of creation is worship. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. Him moving over the waters in creation is what was brought to my mind. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He has power and authority over creation. And don't just think trees here. Throughout the Old Testament, the cedars of Lebanon are akin to the kings of the earth. The kings of the earth are are portrayed as these mighty uh, trees, and the Lord can break them with his voice. Uh, He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oak sand strips, the forest bare, and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood, the flood being the kind of um, picture of the day of the Lord in the Old Testament. It gets used in the New Testament um, multiple times as a way of God cleansing his, um, his creation. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. He is sovereign over creation and 
his judgments. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Allah, the restoration at the day of the Lord as well. Um, so acknowledging that God is sovereign over creation, that he loves his creation and sits enthroned over his creation, longing to restore his creation, acknowledging these truths is worship and, and really should lead to a bolstering of our faith. And that's kind of the point today. Um, is that worshiping God and, and understanding these things about Him should bolster our faith in the coming of the Messiah who will execute the restoration of all things. Um, worshiping the Lord on this side of the fall is inextricably tied to the day of the Lord and the restoration of His creation. You can't really do one um, properly without the other. Uh, Worship is to set our will in line with God's. It's to set our hope fully on the return of the Messiah and the establishment of his kingdom on the day of the Lord. Uh, And this is the context for all the New Testament scriptures where it says, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. We're going to read some of those um, in a second. It's worship and faith in God and his rulership over his creation that creates the response of waiting upon the Lord and trusting in him and entrusting judgment to him and not taking it upon ourselves to execute the day of the Lord. He's mighty. He's fully capable. He's going to do it. Um, And this waiting, this waiting for the Lord is the point today. Um, It really does establish and root us in how to respond to injustice and wickedness in this age. Um, Waiting on the Lord and the posture of the heart that goes with it isn't a minor thing. It's the central theme of worship and faith in the scriptures. Uh, It's the anchor of our lives. Uh, Everything should flow out of this. So it should, when we worship, our our will should be more like his and his love for creation. Um, And I was talking about the wickedness earlier and why, why don't we see the wickedness punished and, and why is suffering still a thing? Because God loves the, the entities and the people who cause those things. Um, he's slow, not as some count slow, but he doesn't want anyone to perish. Um, and, and we have to somehow, and it's, uh, I don't say this because I, I do it. I say it because, you know, it says it, the, the word does. Um, but we have to get our hearts in line with that somehow. And it's very difficult to do that, to, to love wicked people who do wicked things in this age. Um, and that's why having a day of the Lord where, no, he's, he's just patient. He's not letting it go on forever. Um, it's in his hands and we can trust that. Um, so I'm just going to start reading a bunch more scriptures to exhort believers to wait on the Lord and to place your hope in his Messiah in the day. Um, that's kind of the goal from here on out is to strengthen you to, to do that. So Isaiah 25, he will swallow up on this mountain, the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all the faces and the reproach of his people. He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. And then verse nine, who gets to do this? Uh, We'll just read it. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Zephaniah 3, 8. Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey, 
I don't need you to rise up. I will rise up, for my decision is to gather the nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger, for in the fire of my jealousy all the earth shall be consumed. Psalm 37. Also, if you don't take anything away from today other than uh, read Psalm 37, all of it, front to back, every day, wake up and read it, um, and do not fret. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, his way being wickedness and evil, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Fret not, because when you start fretting and worrying and uh, trying to... uh, do the day of the Lord, it leads you to evil. It leads you to do evil things because we are fallen and um, corrupt. We won't always be at the day of the Lord, but um, on this side of that, fret not yourself. Um, kind of put in here uh, the playground analogy that Josh uses sometimes. You know, when the bullies come and destroy the playground, it's not our job to um, fight them and get rid of them. Um, we, we just tell them that dad's on his way. Um, and, and so that's, that's our goal is that dad's on his way and you better, uh, cut it out. But so for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the earth a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. I kind of want to go on a tangent really quick. Um, in case you were wondering, Jesus really doesn't ever say anything new. He just talks about the Old Testament and what he's already said and told um, the people. So, But the meek will inherit the land. Um, and growing up, meekness was always one like, I have no idea what that means. So we're going to spend a little second on that. But uh, Matthew 5, uh, the famous Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth at the resurrection. Uh, Meek doesn't mean weak. It doesn't mean you just get trampled over because you can't um, defend yourself or do anything like that. Uh, Meekness is is having the power to defend yourself or to pay back or to um, dole out recompense and not doing it. Um, I was trying to think of a lot of, like a good example of it, and then I was like, Stoney, you're an idiot. Uh, there's the best example in the world. There's um, an almighty, powerful God who can quiet the seas with a word from his mouth hanging on a cross because a bunch of guys had pointy sticks. Like, he could have called down legions of angels. He had the power and he had the right and he, and he could do it. But he showed us a perfect example of meekness and that he, he didn't do it because he loves those people. And his father in heaven loves those people and he wants them to repent and uh, stand tall at the day of the Lord. So, anyways, long story short, I'm an idiot and thought way too long about that. And I was like, come on. Um, So it's essentially having the power to repay your enemies, but instead you forgive them. Um, It's forgiving your enemies, even though we might have the the ability and the right to punish them in this age. Uh, and the ones who are able to do this, they are the, the ones who are able to not repay their enemies now, but to trust in the Lord that he will take care of it and he will um, be a perfect judge at the end of the age. 
These are the ones who will inherit the earth. Um, so, uh, there's tons more about waiting in the Old Testament. We could do a bunch of them. I picked a couple. Uh, New Testament writers pick right up Titus 2, 12 through 13. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. But you, beloved, or sorry, Jude 1, 20 through 21. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to our eternal life. Waiting for the mercy. Um, patiently waiting and trusting in his appointed day and his appointed agent to establish righteousness on the earth. This is worshiping the Lord. It is acknowledging that it is not up to the strength of man to do this. We don't carry out vengeance on the earth as believers. We don't repay injustice with injustice. No, we respond with faith and trust that God will really do all that he says he's going to do. Like he always seems to do, Jesus uses a story to help strengthen his disciples' resolve to do this, to rely on the Lord and keep the faith. In Luke chapter 18, um, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, unlike our father in heaven, but, you know, don't take the story too far. Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. It's kind of a funny story. but <laughs> uh, And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? I'm reminded of the story about don't your fathers on earth, I'm going to just quote it on my but don't they know how to good gifts? How much more so your father in heaven? It's kind of like this. This evil, wicked ruler knows how to give justice to this um, widow who's calling for it. Even though he's delayed it for a while, it's going to happen. And Jesus is saying, you guys do the same thing. Don't get caught up. You keep um, putting yourself, relying on the Lord to carry it out. Um, and then we're going to finish up. And this is kind of the uh, scary part. <laughs> Um, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. That's awesome, this next part. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find people who are forgiving their enemies, who have the power to repay injustice, that's done to them, to repay wickedness that's done to them? Will he find people who are able to do that, but don't, who choose to forgive their enemies, who um, submit themselves to wicked rulers because God's in control um, at the end of the day? Will he find people waiting and trusting on the Lord? Um, and it's an open-ended question, but it's meant to strengthen the disciples um, in that moment that, that they can trust in the Lord. And so this is kind of the point I'm wrapping up. We get up in the morning and we open up our Bible and we refresh ourselves that the day of the Lord is coming, that God created the heavens and the earth, that Adam and Eve are real people, 
that we are their descendants, that we are just as guilty and sinful as they were, and that we are going to be held accountable for our lives, that this stuff is actually real. We posture our hearts that the day of the Lord is really going to happen, and that we are going to give an account of our lives, and therefore we will live our lives in light of, and put our hope in that day, not paying back evil with evil, but forgiving those who sin against us. When we are met with injustice, we anchor ourselves in the day of the Lord and God's power and faithfulness, and we respond with love and forgiveness. Um, just like the Lord taught us when he told us to pray, he said, uh, you know, we wake up and we pray, Father who is enthroned in the height of the heavens, we implore you to cause your name to be worshipped on earth. We implore you to cause your will to be done on earth as it is around your throne in the height of the heavens. And we forgive those who hurt us and ridicule us and live in unrighteousness because you forgave us when we were doing all those things. Um, and that's we do that every day until our will becomes his will, um, or his will becomes our will, I should say. Uh, and in Hebrews 9, 26 and 28... Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save, and save who? Those who are eagerly waiting for him. Um... I don't know who's playing Somebody wants to thank Sarah. <clears throat> so in light of that, in light of Christ coming at the end of the age to uh, do away with sin and sacrifice himself, in light of that, we wake up every day and we kneel at the foot of the cross and we put all our faith in the righteousness of Jesus and his work on the cross <clears throat> until the day when he is revealed from heaven and we are transformed in an instant um, and we gather together like this and we build one another up and we tell each other to keep going and to keep striving and to stay on the path. And <clears throat> I'm sorry that that person was wicked or nasty or terrible. Or we preach that, <clears throat> you know, the day of the Lord is coming and, and we strengthen our fellow believers in that day so that they are found uh, when he returns faithful and true and, and meek and, and kneeling at the cross and not painting crosses on shields and, and marching to try to take over the world, but that we trust in, in the Lord that he will do it and that he is ruling right now and that he is going to restore his creation because he loves it and he loves us. Um, so I'm going to close with prayer. Um, you can join me. God, you are mighty and worthy of our worship and praise. You are uh, reigning perfectly over the, 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 your creation at the height of the heavens. And you are going to restore the earth and judge the wicked one day. You have appointed Jesus as your Messiah and given him authority to execute judgment on that day. And we trust in Christ's work on the cross in order that we can stand blameless on that day. And we thank you for that. And we implore anyone who hasn't put their faith or trust in you. I ask that you would move in their hearts today, that you would move in their lives, that you would... Um, Send somebody with a word that would cause them to um, believe and trust and, and understand that, that there is a real day coming and that there's only one way that, that they can stand on that day and that's um, by putting the blood of the Lamb on, on their doorposts. Um, but we, 
I implore you to stir up a longing for restoration that would cause them um, to turn to you and trust in Jesus. We honor you, Father. We long for your son's return. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Um, the elders are going to be up here. Uh, We invite everybody to pray. Don't check out. I don't know if that was long or short. Josh said it's not a timer. It's just recording. But um, please pray with someone. Pray with an elder.